0: Are you ready for the Divine Feminine Revolution? Let's get vulnerable and go deep. Hello, and welcome to the Divine Feminine Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Monday, and I'm here with the beautiful Nicole Concepcion, and she is one an incredible artist, an amazing soul sister, a single mama, and an indigenous healer. So, I know we're going to have the most amazing conversation. We were also mastermind sisters. And so, this is also kind of a reunion for us. And as we were sort of chatting in the green room, it's probably been about nine months since I filmed <laughs> one of these podcast episodes. If you've been following along, you know that 2022 was a little bit of a hard year for me. My dad was in and out of the hospital for about six months and I kind of went dark. We just re released a season three dark as far as like on social media they're not like in the literal sense there but it's a little bit of a dark period let's be real okay (laughs) i wish i had shown up you know and just really gone vulnerable but i also just needed some space to kind of integrate everything but so excited to be back and you know i think that this is sort of a rebirth and it's been about nine months since i filled an episode and i was so excited to see nicole pop on my schedule and you can listen to our original episode where we talked everything about motherhood and healing raising kids super powerful as as we've been living through and that was like 2020 ish so yeah. yeah we've been through a lot since then let's just say yeah <laughs> so you know we're just gonna kind of have a try catch up and y'all get to be along for the ride and get to witness it so Nicole, I'm going to kind of turn it over to you for a brag intro. So just fill us in on what you're up to. And, you know, you're such an amazing, powerful woman. Don't hold back. Give us a little bit. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So, yeah, what I want to start off by saying is that, so I spent probably a good 25 years of my career in human resources, operations, you know, client services, client help desk, all of that. And I worked through a lot of different industries from startups to local government, right? City government. And right around 2020, I ended a 17-year relationship. Actually, I ended started ending it in 2017. But does anybody know who is trying to sort of weave themselves into a new life <laughs> and, and saying goodbye to an old life? It takes a, it takes a, it takes a little while, it could take a little while. So I started weaving this pattern in 2017. And in 2020, I was in a place to open my own business where art and myself as an artist is front and center. And so, and that's my brag. Because that took a lot of courage. It's taken a lot of faith in, It took a lot of trust. I have actually been an artist my entire life. And if I had a say in what I wanted to do at eighteen, <clears throat> I definitely would have gone to art school or something of that like I would have been doing art this whole time, basically. And not that I'm regretful, not that I have any resentment, I don't actually. I feel like the the winding road of the past and the journey that I've been walking has been exactly what it needs to be. I've learned exactly what I needed to know. I always took on positions that. I was able to learn and be expansive and be around people who were good at being leaders or very good in their particular position or had a very, like a specific mindset that I was attracted to, that I wanted to, you know, that inspired me and sort of like lit me up inside. So I had the benefit of really working with like, you know, CEOs and executives that, um, really will work their salt. (laughs) And we're very good at sort of exchanging that energy of teacher and student, right? So like they were willing to listen to the things that they didn't know, and they were willing to teach the things that they knew really well. So those dynamics have definitely helped me become an artist entrepreneur, what I call myself these days. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'm really happy to be here, like really learn how to cultivate my life and not just sort of survive it so oh so much to say there well I relate because I think
0: you know that whole like starving artist thing I think definitely deterred me from the art as a career and I always used to joke when I would do like impressive art therapy that I would get that I was a paid artist because they were paying me for therapy but we were doing art which art is a huge you know healing and transformational this. You know, and your art is so, like, evocative and powerful. And I think there's no better time to be a professional artist. Like, the tech and the internet and the platforms have really made it possible that we don't have to starve anymore.
1: So that's good news. And also, I'd like to just sort of, like, give the nod to expanding an industry that used to be very, very small and private and it was like about asset building and it was yeah. very like sort of gatekeeping. and, and, and it's not that it's not that that still doesn't exist because exactly. it absolutely does. Especially when you're, when you're talking about like galleries and you're talking even about, you know, who was out here on YouTube or, you know, doing reels or on TikTok and who's getting the most views, you're still going to have this spectrum where, you know, the more white presenting that you are. The more followers that you get, the more the algorithm is going to push your work. And so that, that is still in existence, but the capacity for those of us to reach people Mm -hmm. who are interested, like myself, who are interested in someone who is an indigenous practitioner, who is someone who identifies with all of my ethnic, you know, relationships and is a woman and is a living artist. Like I'm a living, breeding artist of now. And having people who support that and finding those individuals is just has then, it really brings me to tears all the time because I'm just like, great, I'm building it. Like I'm out here. Like people like me. And what are they? I mean, not even that so much they like me, but like they appreciate my work. Like mm-hmm. they have a respect for the fact that I'm showing up in the world with this work. And that really is like been. Such an eye opening experience because, like you said, I also, you know, I'm a gen X. I come from a generation where they were constantly telling you, no, 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 you can't just dance. thing boogers. They might have been for like a brief amount of time. When it came down to going back into parenting and, you know, surviving, it was like very much still old world stuff that was happening. Like I was being pushed on us. And it was like, I also was very much, you can't be an artist. You've got to have a backup plan. And, you know, being in an office environment was the backup plan that I was sort of shuttled into because that's, you know, during the eighties, nineties, and I was considered one of those positions that you could always take with you, was considered a position that you were always, basically, you could always make money, right? Having an office gig. Mm -hmm. The downside of having an office gig, as you know, is that you spend your whole life now at the office. And I'm paying because, for real yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah. there's like, much the yeah. to be done? Right? Just always worked. work to be done. Like, being in HR was just like, I mean, yeah, I may only be working eight hours, but, like, they would have had me there 10 or 12 if they could. <laughs> I'm so busy. So you end up giving your life over for that. And so I just, you know, this shift in mindset to be able to. That was interesting. <laughs> doorbell. I said to be able to really understand the worth aspect and understand where, uh, but taking the ownership that I could actually cultivate this life for myself, exactly how I wanted it, has just been... And that's something that I'm just like continuing to expand it. Like it started, it's like a black hole. It just continues to eat all of the negative energy around me that was telling me no, or all my conditioned behaviors. And mentality is just like, it, it eats it up. It's like, no, this is bringing me a It just get to be even larger and even more creative, so. Yeah,
0: and, and I can see it. I mean, it looks good on you. I mean, you know, like. I saw you sort of like as you were exiting, you know, the marriage. And that's definitely a really thing to do, especially with you have four kids. Is that right? I had three. Three. Okay, sorry.
1: Three.
0: three. Oh, my gosh. That is that's quite an achievement in itself. Right. And so I really, really live in that kind of straight life, going for the security. And, and I often will say to clients, like sometimes playing it safe is the most dangerous thing that you can do. And so, you know, to take the risk to follow your passion and really make it a reality, like, it looks good on you. So, that's amazing. I'm so proud of you, especially, like, doing the single mom thing. Half off to the single moms. What an incredible, you know, spiritual practice (laughs) and the strength and the conviction and all of that to to make it happen. I really Just in the sense that I've always wanted to write a book. And I remember like after grad school, like getting books on like how to write a book proposal. And then what really deterred me was like, will some agent or publisher like sign off on? Yes, you're okay. And I think it was that like fear of rejection or just fear of sort of like you were saying the system that's like the gateway or like the gatekeepers, I guess kind of keeping you out and so like now you know you can self-publish and you can actually make money doing it and so I think you know while tech can have definitely some drawbacks it also has like sort of liberated these like artistic and healing practices and gave us a venue to kind of get it to the people which is really amazing so I'd love That's to hear a more you. about your healing because you know I can talk about all along long so tell us what you've been up to in that world
1: yeah, i I call myself a creative curandera because I am a curandera. So I have a lineage of being a curandera from my grandmother and beyond. And so that is something that I was in, in a way born into. And we all have our specific gifts and it comes through the way that it comes through. But one of the reasons that I say that my artwork is also part of my devotion is because the portals that I create into that energy field, and into the sensibility of where you can really utilize that for like the gazing aspect of your devotional life. So these kind of portals of energy and relationship are a praxis of me doing even work. And so I you know I've got a couple ways, like I have collections that, that come to me that are sort of like burning to be <laughs> burning to be on campus and burning to be shared. And then I also have folks who come to me commission work like they're actually going through maybe a specific scenario in their life or they're sort of in a period of transition and so the artwork I create for them is allowing them to really expand into that transition field like opening a door and allowing them to walk all the way through it
0: (sighs) oh I got like chills with that yeah (laughs) yeah what a symbolic representation of the portal that they are entering in and you know you've certainly been through your own version of that
1: yeah, absolutely. And I you know it's interesting because, you know, being, so the equity of exchange that goes on when you're doing work that is really intimate and really grounded in not just our humanity, but our divinity, right? Like the, where we would not, not to say that that's a binary, but just really understanding that there's this, these various facets that we all carry energetically as being on, beings on this earth and then what we can actually transcend and tap into when we're fully present and expansive is galactic, you know, in galactic in energy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when I'm doing an expertise of exchange with another human around this kind of work, it's, you know, it's very intensive. And so I tend to take, I take on folks seasonally and they're really just by referral. And I only really take three or four clients a year. <laughs> it's like under the radar, but it is something that in a way, it's, it's so, such a part of my blood lineage in this particular like, lifetime that it feels really good to be able to do that. And also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It also feels good to be able to do it in a time where I'm not like being mm-hmm. chased by colonizers, because I'm practicing something that's not part of the fucking government hierarchy, right? Or, or the political. It also feels good to be able to do it openly, right? It feels good to be able to do it and not have my kids being like actively pursued because their mom is, you know, mm-hmm. on the spectrum of whatever witchery of the day was, see, I have to so yeah, so I don't know if this, this time period where I'm able to, to be very, very open about it in ways that really? even my grandmother was not, was not able to be that open. Like But again, it was like, you know, this kind of um, sort of secret referral process.
0: Do you ooh. feel like some of that fear or ancestral trauma, like the witch and kind of, and how have you been able to transcend that? Because I feel like that's a really common thing that holds Taylor's back with visibility. I mean, obviously there's the like. Right. Piece, but then what? there's
1: also that Europe. Yeah, I think there's, there's a couple different pieces. So I'm a genocide survivor culturally. And so, you know, nothing really tops being a genocide. <laughs> because, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. I mean, they're, they're coming for you either way. Like, they're coming for you for, they want your resources and they want you to disappear. So, but, I mean, so from that aspect, I mean, I've already, there's- I was really pumped into that from sort of an early age. Mm-hmm. And you know the secret that come along with being a genocide survivor around heritage or how you're practicing or even I mean just it, it the secrets come around in sort of all of the realms and and there's a difference between secrets and being private right and that was something that I had to learn. So when we're talking about sort of like moving through what people you know call like generational curses or the generational trauma of being an oppressed people for, you know, a multitude of seasons, many, many moons, right? Many, many grandmothers. Mm -hmm. A large part of that was really just understanding the reality of it and then grieving the realities that, you know, the women in my family have had to experience. And because this particular, I'll say, my introduction to this particular type of practice is definitely from my matrilineal line. So really being able to grieve with the women who had to grieve and go through these sort of levels of oppression in order to just be themselves. And also in order to share their gifts with the community that they lived in, the environment that they lived in, was really a huge piece of the process. Um, And then once the kind of grief came through, it was like, oh, now I can kind of take the macro and look at my micro and figure out You know, what in the micro can I adjust? What can I do as a mother? What can I do mothering myself? And what can I do mothering my actual children? Right. In order to then bring that to my devotional work so that when I work with some of my ancestors or some of my guides or some of my allies, then I can be really present. And I can also be very present to what they're bringing energetically with them, and be like, "Okay, I want to negotiate here, but I don't need that. I've already kind of worked through that, and I love you, but I don't want to you know I don't want to bring that into what we're gonna look on, or if you're gonna come and it'd be an ally over here in this particular ceremony, or if there's something larger going on, and I may need you to you know help support me while I'm doing something front facing to stay protected." Mm-hmm. Uh, or to stay veiled to a certain extent, then let's, you know, let's just, let's meet here in this window of compatibility and I love you with the other things. so, I mean, some of my, some of my prayers actually, like, I mean, you and I were kind of talking about this that we were talking about the eclipse, that I don't wish on every lunar phenomenon, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not the one. Like, I love lunar phenomenon. I actually do follow the lunar cycle very, very closely, as well as some other cyclical things regarding the sun and the earth. But my default is typically to just kind of uphold the the natural sort of chaotic process.
0: Embrace the chaos.
1: Yeah, just embrace the chaotic process that is and really just honor whatever's going on as an energy that I get to witness and be a part of. So I'm, you know, in terms of that equity of exchange, it's, you know, these things don't, the eclipse is not going on for humans to have a wishing ceremony. Like it's not, right. it's a thing. And sometimes I feel like, you know.
0: Yeah, other time, it's not necessarily the best time to do a ritual anyway, right? It's more of a portal.
1: It's like, you know, the lunar cycles are there for you to remember your own internal cycle. Not necessarily, you know, to to send out your wants and desires. But I think humans get a little bit caught up sometimes because our ego likes to trip out. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we forget that these are reminders of who we are internally, right? Yeah. We don't have to, we're not, oh, the Lord is going to grant my wish. No, honey, you're going to grant your wish. But <laughs> what you'll decide to do and where your awareness is. is. You know what I'm saying? So and anyway.
0: it's kind of more empowering if you really do just like fully embrace the creatorship that is within you versus, you know, oh, it's up to the moon or the universe or whatever. Like exactly.
1: Your own exactly.
0: I will say as we're filming this, we've got an Aries here. It is the new moon eclipse in Aries, which I think is a good new beginning right. for us.
1: Powerful. When I really became... it's oh, then, then the sun is actually moving into Taurus. I mean, that and that's the ship, right? Like you've got these sort of various energies happening all together, and the Sun in Taurus is great because you know Taurus is now have a good time sensual pleasure. Uh, yeah, curiosity sure. and aesthetic is all about the talking. <laughs> I
0: really became aware of eclipses. I guess it would probably be around 2012 with the, you know, sort of awakening, not only getting pregnant, but just I think many people had an awakening during that shift. But Mm -hmm. really what brought my attention to it was working in mental health because, you know, I've found that it does hold true the beginnings and endings and just general like emotional intensity and those kind of things do happen like already on my caseload at, you know, breakups and New jobs and babies about to pop out and all the kinds of like baby right. standings that happen. And so that's definitely it's kind of an intense time to be in mental health during some of these big shifts. But, you know, I think I, I love what you're saying about just like really connecting to the rhythms and, and also just like reclaiming the power I think is really you know, and working in harmony with versus giving your power over to something, you know. Right.
1: Or expecting something outside of yourself to actually, you know, just to sort of like, I mean, again, you you have to take ownership for your own experience.
0: Yeah, I agree. And,
1: and your own relationship to yourself, right? That's the, that's what's really the biggest key. And so, and one of the things that I find myself doing so much, especially at this particular age is, Really helping other people navigate that process, right? Like really sitting in what looks to be what what some people may call you know self love. There's a wisdom keeper that I have an equity of exchange with that talks about radical self love very often, and and that is something that you know would so for me when I hear the word radical. It's more of that it's in that realm of activism. <laughs> and so, when I think about radical self-love, it really is. It's like, it's the, it's like your true form of humanist activism, how humanists says can you be in an environment that's really trying to push your humanism away from the earth itself, which is impossible. Because we're actually earth beings. A lot with lots of other earth beings. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got the little, I have a little, so it's cricket season out here. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these little baby crickets just hopping around. And I have, like, my resident little baby cricket that's just been chilling by my... i t- okay. <laughs> And i just like, oh, wonderful. I think that, I don't know if there's I don't know if they're called nymph in
0: mm-hmm. the
1: insect world when they're that young, mm-hmm. whatever, but that's basically what always comes to mind. So anyway. Yeah, we
0: live out in the woods and we definitely
1: coexist with nature. it comes yeah. in
0: and I'm ha- I'm happy to, you know, live with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One so, it's nice sometimes to just kind of be like, Oh hey, you know, what are you doing? Like what what cycle are you in? Yeah. Right? And I think I mean it's some some insects definitely follow the spring cycle, right? Where they're just, well, they're like starting to pop off, like the spring is coming and, and their height is in summer. And then by fall, they're being eaten by spiders, you know, because like about about Well, anyway. <laughs>
0: And the really fun part about going more towards virtual is doing work where I can have like my cats are on screen and we, we just got a new guinea pig. we got two pigs now. And so we have all these little support animals that are, you know, oh, really love beings and, and guides in their own right, you know, to be a part of it. And, Absolutely. And, uh, it's nice to include them. And I do feel like they, they hold space, you know, have this one black cat and she will like not leave my daughter's side when she's asleep and she's the guardian, you know, yeah. so.
1: <laughs> totally a yeah. I totally get I also have, don't have that I share space with Cat Guardians as well. <laughs> because that's really what it is, right? There's no owning a cat. Um, yeah. And we don't believe, we don't believe in pet, but we don't have pet companies up on the house because everybody's an entity and everyone, you know, doing, again, I've got five Earth beings up in here and <laughs> that I'm responsible for. Right, that I'm responsible for because he was of the six of us, but um, yeah, and everyone has their own personality. Everyone's got their own biorhythm. Everyone's biorhythm is shift. Like we, we were talking about, you know, when it's eclipse season and new moon season and when those happen together, those are also equinox season. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have this, this sort of energy here and now in spring and then we'll have it again <laughs> in, in autumn. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's kind of like with the winter solstice also, like you, you have these like bigger sort of like almost beings of energy that present Mm -hmm. and, and everyone is always adjusting to that. So like today, you know, my youngest was a little bit crabby because it was a little bit of a different routine or she was definitely feeling like, you know, like wanting to rest and, but also wanting to like rush. Um, and so that confluence of breath and rush, which is coming off of having a new moon in Aries and also having an eclipse. So it's like you've got you've got fire energy rotating, and at the same time we've got a block of fire. <laughs> oh, it's just like very the puss and pole was very, very interesting. What makes money. So yeah.
0: yeah, and I love you know you hold space to own the need to rest and and i think that's where a lot of people on the sort of mainstream thing just push through and if they're not aware of some of these cycles you know it's just they may be attuned to something that's more like artificial and not based on their own you know their own rhythms and their yeah and i
1: think i think that's really true this you also you know i think it's basically in the early season where you're searching. Like we all go through a period of search and research, right? Where we're expanding our awareness and we're, we know that we're sort of on the cusp of something. And yet we still feel, you know, we haven't learned to really look fully within ourselves to find the answers. And so you're sort of gravitating to that gravitational yeah, that. Face. Yeah. I mean, gravitation is great, right? Like we're all attracted yeah, to certain things. Sure. Because the colon, that is going to help show us ourselves. But I think that's what that framework of mind that you want to keep is that whatever you may be attracted to right now, and whatever you find is a way for you to walk back to yourself, not to give yourself over. (laughs) So that, so doing the searching and the researching, remember that it's always a, a place to walk back to yourself and get to know you best. Right. These are just sort of, you know, the mind needs to have the mind likes efficiency, and it also likes to be able to see something concrete, right, so that it doesn't waver in a way. And mm-hmm. so you can show it those things, but always remember that, you know, at the end of the day, what I, one of the things I always say is, the mind really is a conduit for the essence in the body. Mm-hmm. And when you stop putting the extra pressure on the mind to fucking figure out everything. Mm-hmm. We'll which is not yeah. really there to do. You're not there to do that. You know, it's there to be a conduit for the essence in the body. So the mind has to be attuned and harmonized. So that's absolutely living the life that you're here to, you're here to present. So. Beautiful.
0: Well, I'm kind of wondering, you know, I think the first time we did this, it was like 2020. Obviously, there was a lot of fear. I think that some of that fear is still around. There's certainly a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. we're going through you know, world changes and whatnot. I'm just kind of curious, you know, is there anything that you feel like would be enlightening or comforting that you would want to share with people if they're feeling like, what's going to happen next? Or are we
1: going to be okay? Like, thing. You know, it's interesting in the sense that uh, I think, I think what I would say is that there's been such a... Emphasis on knowing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even now, you know the the whole the whole TikTok ban conversation that you have within the U.S. government is really about how can we grab even more to, right to all the background data and ISP networks I mean, that's really what that's about. Yes, yeah, it's all about But, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, yeah, but yeah. it's really when you look at the 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 underpinning of what they're really trying to do is they really want to have even more active than they have now.
0: Yeah. Monopoly. Yeah.
1: You know, and, it's, and it's kind of like, when you think about it, it's like, you know what I'm always reminded of? I'm reminded of princess Leia and star Wars, where she was like, if the first one, where she was like, the more you tighten your grip, the more we will slip through your fingers. And for different reasons, I don't just, just want to remind humanity of that. Like, yeah. you can decide at any time to turn off everything mm-hmm. in your house. And what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. So you can decide at any time. Yeah. You can decide at any time to band together with people and really stand up for Vogue, just like they're doing in France. Right. Yeah. Like you can decide to harmonize with other pieces, uh, with other beings of humanity at any moment you can plan to decide that I think it was Ice Cube like they already have a Sunday surveillance I might as well keep it gangsta meaning <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just save you what the hell I want to do whether you listen to me or not yeah I'm out out here being me in full right I'm not going to dim myself because I'm afraid so they're out here selling propaganda for fear because they're afraid so once you start remembering that I think because I think at the end of the mo at the end of every day, you got to know that you feel okay with your life and the way that you're living, outside of what is going on, you know. And I say that as someone who is not being like actively oppressed right now, and I understand that that might not resonate for some people who are being actively oppressed in their daily life. I have like I constantly have so I live with the constant threat of oppression, and it's sort of like that umbrella of oppressive tactics, especially living in the States, that I'm always under. Mm -hmm. Like at any moment, my life could change because I'm a melanated person living in a world that is not friendly to melanated people, Mm -hmm. right? So, but what I'm saying really is mostly like around if you find yourself getting super caught up in all of the political dynamic. And your head is starting to spin. Your heart is starting to spiral because your head's starting to spin. Most of it is happening because you're now in the energy of other people who don't like things to be unknown. They want to control the entire world. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you know less than you think you do. Just get comfortable with that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get real comfortable with not knowing. Um, I sit a lot with the new moon. The new moon is actually the new moon, and I are like besties in terms of the lunar phases. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I love the new moon so much is because it's quiet. It's like a black hole. It's what I consider the black hole, I usually yeah. call the dark forest. So I sit in the dark, the dark cosmic forest, a lot. A lot of my work comes directly from there. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like going there is because there's a level of impermanence. There's a level of unknowing. But there's also a vast amount of creative and chaotic energy. And fertility, yeah. And so I really just, I enjoy the, the combination and the dichotomies and this, this kind of like all the energy, right? There's a song that I've been listening to recently. It's like, I appreciate all vibes, not just good vibe only, because I know there's that whole camp, of, oh, good vibes only. Don't bring your negative shit over here. And I'm like, you can't have good vibes without negative vibes, Like, you got to have a fucking fool. The eroticism of life is the fucking tension. We don't get to touch more an to get your tension. Agreed.
0: What sense? We don't get to climax without tension.
1: Right? And it's such an right. effective. Exactly. Yeah. And so I deal a lot with arousal, not just in the sexual sense, although, of course, you know, folks. Folk, Tends to hear arousal and only think about it sexually, but like the reality is again, you know, like the earth is in a constant state of ecstasy and arousal because there's constant, there's pressure systems, there's tectonic plates, there's ocean. I mean, you don't have ocean tides without friction, so it's like I better remind humans that like if you really center yourself in the vast amount of different energies that are present in your environment. I mean, it is an ecstatic place to be. And you can arouse yourself on a daily basis and be a lot of joy because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like fear,
0: you know, you could totally funnel that into, you know, a, a more like aroused energy and, you know, kind of use it as activation rather than something that's like tormenting you. It kind of makes me think about I've been moonlighting a little bit this holistic treatment center that I worked at and we do dbt therapy and I remember when I was first training and people would come in with these really impossible situations just so much trauma a lifetime of it you know and not a lot of support not a lot of curative factors and I would just go what's she gonna say to this person you know and and it was always like, what skills are you using? And can we radically accept this? You know, and radical acceptance is the answer. And it kind of made me think about when you were talking about radical self-love, because I definitely had the view like radical self-love is like self-care and self-soothing and like, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of more, you know, goddessy stuff of, you know, a spa day or something like that. But I've really come, to, especially since we're going through a more difficult year, just the Radical self-love is just accepting it all, you know, the parts that you don't want, the shadows, like the stuff you don't want to show people, like that that stuff is beautiful just as much. And so I feel like we don't hear that version of radical self-love much and we get caught into the let's do our nails sort of stuff, which I mean, that can obviously be pleasurable and fun and self-soothing and, you know, it's deeper than that.
1: What is interesting, I, I had a conversation here recently with another, like, colleague of mine, and, and it was based off, she had done a TikTok around, just sort of, like, noticing your own patterning of attraction.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was interesting to me, because that's something that I've been working on, like, walking around and through and up and down. <laughs> Very dope. And, and I told her, I was like, oh, this has been a hilarious ride. That was my, cause that was my real response. And she was like, it was hilarious to, you know, like, the whole process. But that's, again, there's a level of self-acceptance for myself. So as I journey, I find, cause I really do find myself ridiculous. Like the human things that I do are absolutely ridiculous. And I find them hilarious. And I have a lot of fun with them, and that's also a ch- like. right? Like I'm just kind of minded towards even it, it might be sort of ugly or sort of like mischievous, and I will be laughing to myself because I'm having this realization like, oh, that's mischievous, shit. like where did you it's <laughs> yeah. coming out of you know? So, but I think so that humor helps me stay curious. Yeah. And the humor actually allows me to open my heart up a little bit more and get really deep with who I actually am. Yeah. And and being really okay with that.
0: Cool. Oh, what a journey. Yeah, whenever I teach mindfulness, you know, I was like the shortcut to mindfulness, because that's a big part of DBT, is, you know, when you're curious and not judgmental, you're in mindfulness. So that lighthearted, you know, laughter definitely is the gateway there. And then also just staying in your senses and out of your head, you know, like really right. in like experience of things versus just, you know, I feel like so many people are just almost like head, you know, disconnected from their body and their entire and
1: been... it's because one of, the, one of the main themes of colonialism was beheading. There's a lot of beheading. Oh, and yeah. when you look at old statues, ancient statues, what's usually going on with the female, they don't have a fucking head, right? There's, oh. And there's an actual energetic, and there was like a directed, targeted reason for them practicing that. Absolutely. Because they want to cut the head from the bottom. They want to have their cerebral take over the nature. And you see it at, at the macro level, and you see it again at the micro level. Mm-hmm. You see it at the nuclear family situation. You still, I mean, again, I, I always ear on the side of If you're going to take a look at yourself you also want to take a look at some of the factors that that shape who you actually are and then you can start kind of unraveling who am i versus who i've been conditioned to be right because none of us are outside of the spectrum of uh, colonialism white supremacy tactics oppressive laws and you know there's lots of Mm -hmm. other subcategories under that right subcategories abound she gets the nitty gritty but the reality is that the most of the world has been colonized to some degree which also means they've also experienced a level of what we call here white supremacy tactics and so you know you have to accept that this is what has what has been conditioned for the majority of us for so long. And even if you're trying to remember your indigenous truth to remember who you are outside of these sections, these sections still have an interplay. It's just, and along with the other, so the tricepter that I usually talk about is, is colonialism, white supremacy tactics, and capitalism. Because mm-hmm. capitalism was no. <laughs> Again, like you've got to understand your dynamics within the larger oppressive sort of conditioning in order to start, you know, unraveling yourself from yourself in a way.
0: Well, and I think that that's sort of the getting everyone to chase money and sort of working in that sort of capitalist framework, you know, it, it can be very disempowering. And then, you know, whenever I feel like one of my number one soapbox things is to try to encourage people into entrepreneurship and. A lot of my clients who are working in the corporate system, you know, they're killing themselves to, and they could be replaced tomorrow. And, you know, they're making someone else very rich. (laughs) So, you know, I think it it is, I I feel like this is such a huge part of the revolution to recognize those things and then, you know, create new systems. Yeah,
1: because the system as we know, the system of capitalism as we know it, it's very much a fight. Right. For those that are trying to tap into a certain tier, if you will, a tier of the capitalist structure, there's, a, there's sacrifices that are going to be asked of you in order to make it to that tier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have, don't have to have a personal relationship with money that is based on oppression. Because capitalism capitalism really is, I'm going to step on you so that I can stand higher, mm-hmm. right? As we know it, as, we, as it's been practiced and as we know it. If I'm going to steal your resources over here and pass it off as my own, so now I have wealth. That's yeah. the system that we've all come to understand, like the system that we've been living in. And so it's, it's interesting because one of the things that I've been working with those that are on this equity of exchange when it comes to like, spiritual practices, and self-awareness in their relationship to money, but also their relationship to capitalistic structures. Because those two different, those two things are different energies. That doesn't mean that they don't share some subtle, you know, like the Venn diagram, right? Everything has a a window of compatibility where we might be sharing some pieces of it, but energetically, they're a little bit different. And so we've been talking a lot about... Especially going into springtime and summer, which are like, you know, sun is high. And so, you know, opportunity abounds because everything is lit up because of the sun <laughs> like, is high. Yay! Like, well, there's in the air. Like, I was the same.
0: Okay.
1: And those things get a lot more expansive when you can kind of understand your internal processing around the systems that you've just been sort of like, you know, pushed into accepting. Okay. And it's really interesting to watch as you unravel some of those internal conditioning, your relationship to other humans and what you're able to offer and the conversations that you're able to have and your comfortability level with, you know, like I said, offering an actual equity of exchange. I even use this in like my current dating life Mm -hmm. and not that everyone understands what that means, but for me, that's standard. So If you're coming into my energy field, um, what is the equity of exchange here? Right. And sometimes it's, oh, I might have met you in my dating world, but actually you're a little bit more of a colleague. Right. So like, it might just be like, I have a lot of wisdom and I own that. But as I know that and when people meet me, typically they can see that up front. And so for those that need that wisdom, it's like, what skill set can we exchange that for? Do you, is it easier for you to exchange money or is it easier for you to exchange time or another skill? Mm-hmm. And so we have, I have these conversations with other individuals as well, because those kinds of negotiation type conversations around where is the equity of exchange and energy is a partnership and an and start to walk you into relationships and that is actually what is needed between human beings mm-hmm. and so you're already sort of practicing this sort of like step outside of capitalism as you know it because mm-hmm. we're having a negotiating this. nothing there's no force and there's no oppression
0: mm-hmm. i think so. that's really exciting about like the creator economy because you know AI, you know, good or bad or whatever, I do think it's going to replace a lot of what used to be, like, the professional, secure positions that people strive for. And I think what's going to be left is, like, art and the healers and the things that
1: only humans can do, you know? And so... I mean, um, I really... I, I'm i with you on that. I really hope that that's what AI ends up being used for because machine learning is... First of all, machine learning has been going on yeah for a long time that is not necessarily anything new mm-hmm. what's new about it is the sort of confluence of being able to use Al's more targetly because they have the access to do that and they've got the system to do that and all of that thing and all of the sort of background the background tech that goes into making that assessment has taken years of research and you know exploration mm-hmm. but I also am on the mindset, like, I am really, and I plenty about this. Like, this is, one, this is one of those things where I am actively, <clears throat> when I do certain work, it's like, I'm always asking for the oceans to be able to be clear of debris and for the marine life to be able to, you know, breathe in the way that they breathe and to have access to their own waters again and for us to stop polluting. But also, if that, that goes for tech. Because we pollute tech the way that we pollute the earth. Yeah. <laughs> and we you know, you can pollute an algorithm from that get start just the way that the way that you pollute Earth or you pollute a system or you pollute a law, right? Where you're you're inherently adding oppression tactics and or bias into whatever you're doing. And so right. I'm always actively sort of asking whoever is working in that field just you know in some of my devotional work like can we make space Mm -hmm. for really having integration of equity in the algorithms that you're using or in the ai that you're using because i would love to see ai being used more successfully for us not having to do busy work basically right (laughs) agree i mean you know you have rid of all the you know or, or Make it work for humans, not against humans. Because I also agree that I would love to see more humans just doing art and not having to work eight hours a day, slaving away for pennies on the dollar that they don't need and they still can't eat. You know what I'm saying? I'd much rather see the world where, it's yeah, you know, AI is functioning the way it needs to in terms of like machine learning or farming or whatever it is. And the things that only humans can do or the things only, the things that, the labor that humanity and Earth should be taking on as, you know, this sort of partnership. I would love to see that blossom a little bit more. Absolutely. I think that would just be amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. Amazing.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate you, like, expanding on the, the equity of exchange. I feel like it's an important concept. And like you were saying, I mean, we just need, like, a system that's sustainable and that's, you know, polluting the Earth or our cultures or family systems or environments, you know, and all the levels, that happens, you know, and right. I do feel like we're in a time where a lot of these things are collapsing and sometimes like maybe not enough. And obviously we've had the ancestral history of generations and generations of, you know, potentially even like worse things than maybe what we're going through today. And so I feel like it is an exciting time to be, you know, a creator and to like just really go for it. And I do think it's you know, I'm hoping and wanting it to be, you know, economically sustainable for us. So, you know, as mamas can be, you know, healing the world and feeding our babies, right? And not necessarily having to do things we don't want to do. And like you said, that's sacrifice, i I feel that deeply, you know, and it's so embedded, I think, particularly to women, but really, you know, as part of the a crucial part of the system, for sure. So I'm excited that's to see woman. where it's going to go next. It's a little scary. <laughs> so, like, there's definitely The winds of change are upon us, for sure.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were, I think, collectively, as Earth, there's been some heart opening. Mm -hmm. And so we're sort of in the season of having that heart open. And, you know, the mind expansiveness piece has been going on for so long. Mm -hmm. And the, the heart opening piece is what moves your feet. (laughs) Because <laughs> when the heart pumps, the feet move. When the heart bumps, the body fades. Mm-hmm. And so we can live in our mind all day, mm-hmm. but eventually you got to move your fucking feet. And that's kind of how I feel about the overall, not the global majority, I would say, but like I would say that there's people of the global majority that have been on that perspective for a while. It's like we're tired of watching the government research and research and research. And even like our fellow community member, it's like, it's time to get out of your head, stop researching and move your damn feet a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got to move your feet on what you've been talking about more the last 50 years. Yeah. Right. Because okay. if you don't move your feet, nothing changes. And so that's kind of what I would, that was, that would be my, you know, we deal with the new moon energy, the sun moving into Taurus mm-hmm. and well, as the eclipse sort of winding down. Mm-hmm. Right. I would really say, you know, open the door to moving your feet more. I'm going to put that on my affirmation list. <laughs> move feet. That's so powerful.
0: I, I really. That's a nice one. I really like that. So I don't know how much you want to say about, you know, some of the exciting new projects you have. I mean, kind of a sneak peek. I'm not sure if it's entirely. yeah well, yes.
1: I'll just I'll um, turn you know, it over
0: to you. What, where do you want to go with?
1: It? <laughs> well, thank you. So I um. For anybody who's interested in like hearing a little bit more of my voice or seeing more of my work, you can, you can access my Patreon. I do have different tiers where you can subscribe and become a member. And I really put my work on Patreon because I know that my work won't be stolen. Right. And so, and because a lot of the work that I do is specific toward certain commission pieces and certain collections, I really, it is as an artist, it made a lot of sense for me to stay on Patreon so I could manage my work and it's mine. So that's where you can find me. I will be launching a YouTube channel doing sort of like an art and writing show. And uh, I'm hoping to get that out probably during the summer. But again, you know, right now it's like you can hit me up on Patreon. You can ask for a commission. You can buy a piece and you'll get all the details about what I end up launching. And probably some of the tech some of the test videos that I will be doing will be popping up over there as well because I'm not really on Facebook anymore and I'm not really on Instagram anymore but I'm definitely on Patreon and so I will I'll just
0: we'll send just, you the info put it in the show notes can, yeah for sure yeah. you know I was just kind of flashing to like when you and I first met and it was in the mastermind and we did one of those like breakout rooms and we ended up kind of in a little bit of a screen on screen action like we are now I just yeah. remember being like such a powerful connection and a agree you're so smart you have so much wisdom like and really feel you know the ancestral wisdom that comes through you and and your art is so powerful and it's just it's so it's been such a joy to reconnect and you know I think you are such an incredible powerful woman and uh, I think people need that and so oh,
1: thank, you. You. Oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, thank
0: you oh yeah oh and I was. love gosh you know the world needs more art, right? And healing. Like, I feel like those definitely could be two of the biggest solutions if we're going to go from that point of view, (laughs) you know, and it's just, like you said, it's the heart openers, you know, and I think those are two really powerful conduits to doing that. So thank you so much for sharing space with me and being my first podcast back. I feel like that was super divine timing. And, you know, just thank you again for sharing your wisdom and, you know, you're so, you know, just like passionate and embodied and, you know, just very, you know, like, I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. And I always, (laughs) in the best way possible. You know what I mean? Sometimes, you know, where the conversation is going kind of thing, you know, but wow. I mean, you just have such a clear channel. Like it's so, it's so powerful to just hear you speak. Um, So everyone go sign up and, and buy some art, support your local, you know, artists and business owner and mamas as we are you working for, for the matriarchy and for powerful evolution that we're all going in together. So, awesome.
1: And thank you again for inviting me and for hosting us. And you've been really working hard to have a voice out there on the internet and on the podcast. And I just, I'm just enamored with that process.
0: So. Oh, thank you. I'm <laughs> excited to be here. Well, gosh, I mean, it's fun for me because you know to to get to share these conversations like with the world, you know, like it's just a pleasure to have a conversation itself, and then if the world gets to benefit, then that's even better, you know. And it kind of has been the best kept secret, but I know like that's not going to be like forever, <laughs> you know. The algorithms, you know, will will eventually you know pick it up and push it out to the world, and I definitely see that in the future, and so. Think for me it's just been the preparation of building up my energy field to be able to hold that kind of
1: right energy.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Of, of witnessed in that way and you know consumed a certain
1: and having the eyes on it's 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 also expanding your capacity for the the game that comes with a certain level of fandom and yeah. fandom and fame right yeah so, absolutely yeah, I love that. Awesome. Well, I would
0: love to do some more sharing time with you. So, definitely would love to reconnect. And we'll we'll list all of the stuff in the show notes and all that good stuff. And go check Great. out Nicole. She is an incredible leader. And I'm honored to have you as a colleague. And thank you so much for being my first episode back. What with with a fun, like, comforting, inspiring, and powerful way to start. So, thank
1: you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: Hi everybody. Thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the divine feminine revolution podcast. Make sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Want to keep the conversation flowing? Find us on Facebook at the divine feminine revolution Facebook group where revolutionary women gather to listen to their hearts, monetize their gifts
1: and change the world.